dusty ins, just cause the outs, and let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about. In today's episode of Let's Talk About the Arts, the collective's Women in Opera, I'm joined by stage manager extraordinaire Paula Tierney. I have had the pleasure of working with Paula in various productions over the years and it was so nice to sit down and learn a little more about the woman who keeps us all on the straight and narrow in the rehearsal room and on stage. Hello Paula, how are you? Hello Virgil. How are things? This is a bit strange isn't it? Um, Myself and Paula have worked together countless times. So many times. So um, when I was thinking about this series and I was thinking about, you know, getting different kind of women in opera and different kind of jobs, stage manager obviously popped to my mind. And I was just telling Paula there was a first person on the list and a last person on the list. And both those names were Paula because you are one of the best stage managers I've ever worked with, but also one of the people I've most worked with. So I think we we know how each other works as well. So that probably makes it easy. <laughs> Thanks, Virgil. That's very flattering. I'd love to jump in and just, first of all, ask a little bit about an insight to a stage manager's job. Because it's kind of a little bit of do everything, but do it behind the scenes. and But at the same time, you have to keep everyone happy and keep everything ticking along while having a list of 101 jobs. And when I was kind of thinking about it, I was like, I don't really know what the inverted commas requirements of a stage manager is. Could you give us maybe an insight as to what a stage manager does, but also maybe what a good stage manager is? Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, long question, I suppose. But, yeah. You know. But yeah. no you, problem. We have time. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so to be honest, um, there's a lot of. First of all. A lot of people who tra- who work in stage management don't actually train like as a stage manager. Yeah. So um, while there are a lot of stage management courses, most more so in the UK than here, um, most of the people that you would work with and I would work with are mm-hmm. probably not trained as like, you know, in a college for stage management. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is learned on the job. And um, I suppose there's a certain sort of um, pre disposition towards it from certain people like some people are more pre, pre like are more chosen almost to do it it's like a yeah. vocation rather than you know you kind of go down through a list of jobs and go like you know doctor dentist plumber you know i want to be oh stage manager you yeah, know yeah, like yeah. sticking all the boxes it's mostly that you take the boxes for the job rather than you know that, that yeah. your personal a lot of it is personality based you know and actually a lot of it is is in the title of manager. A lot of it is people management, you know, the mm. stage management, because um, you can be doing anything from a cast of maybe two to a hundred in opera, you know. So yeah. um, it, it's not one, there's not like one, like he couldn't put it in a little small box and say this is whatever, what the stage manager needs to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patience is a big virtue. Okay, yes. But if you were to like, you know, I mean, obviously there's there's all the, the actual sort of physical demands of the job like that are very practical stuff like you know like setting up rehearsal rooms uh mm-hmm. you know marking up you know doing a score or a script you know making sure that everybody has all the cues like that's all very very practical stuff yeah and then outside of the practical stuff there is the 
kind of people management, the people minding, the kind of making sure that everybody's kind of really on an even keel yeah. and trying to keep a very kind of low level of panic or drama in, in a room with a certain number of people. That's easier with some shows than others because some shows have, like I say, you know, whatever way they the temperament in the room is or the level of sort of you know engagement between like cast members and the creative team and uh, a lot of the job is paperwork as well it's keeping because you're the person in the rehearsal room and your job is to let everybody who's not in the rehearsal room know exactly what's going on in the rehearsal room Mm -hmm. so a lot of it is rehearsal reports scheduling 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 <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, people emailing no i can't do that no yeah, i can't yeah, do that yeah, no yeah. i can't do that can i have an na <laughs> i know and it's people like people ask me why are you not on whatsapp and i'm like i'm not on whatsapp because i would be added to every single group out there i would be oh like my God, you know that's the, so true. the cast group the continuity cast group the you know yeah I yeah, can't yeah. it's not the cast group you know there would be and I just could, I couldn't deal with it. I could not deal with, you know, I'd rather people email me with and I can email back answers, yeah. or pick up the phone and ring me and stuff. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, and most of it, it, there's a lot of it is personality based and a lot of it's practical, practical work as well. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the it's a sort of a confidence thing as well. I, I, I see young stage managers coming yeah. out and, you know, the, the ability to be like able to speak in a room full of people, you know, and instill a bit of confidence into people so that they know they're safe on stage they know they're safe off stage that you know i i'll never go on stage i was like you know horribly miscast as a puerto rican boy in west side story when i was (laughs) 15 in an all-girls school version of west side story i hated it i'll never be on stage you know and if you ask me to stand up on stage in the board gosh and like say ladies and gentlemen, to a full house, you know, even to make an announcement, I would be dying, but I can do it in front of yeah. 200 people, you know, so. I know, um, it's it, all about context. It is, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, but it is that like, and you see stage managers who start off and you see the level of confidence coming, you know, as the years go on and a lot of it, I mean, I'm, this is my 30th year stage wow. managing this year. Oh my God. And, you know, at the start, I was probably fairly shy and, didn't know the questions to ask and you know and didn't have the confidence to look confident when even if I wasn't you know whereas yeah. now I think I've mastered that a bit better than I think you definitely have <laughs> I was just gonna say like I can't imagine a shy Paula or a Paula not being able to walk into the room probably you were always able to walk into the room and like take control but you probably had to do that yeah and breathe and yeah. go and do it like you know yeah. but what I loved you saying there is it's like the vocation chooses you And it is because one thing I did write down was there's no like direct path. When I was looking up stage managers or what they did, yes, there's now the courses because it's like a clear path you could take. But it was never a mom and dad, I want to grow up and be a stage manager. Oh, God, no. Yeah, Yeah, it's very. I want to be a guard and I kind of looked like an old guard anyway. You know, my parents are guards. No, I didn't actually. My parents are guards. My granddad was a guard and my sister is a guard and loads of cousins. Yeah. So I was expected to go into the guards, which I'm sure you can guess is not the the best fish. (laughs) (laughs) You would have made a much better guard than me. Well, I kind of look like an off-duty guard most of the time anyway, (laughs) so I guess. Um, No, I love that idea of it, the job choosing you. And I would love to know a little bit about why you think the job chose you. What parts of your personality, you know, lend well to this role? Or what skills did you pick up along the way that you are now like, 
this is a skill yeah. I learned here and now I can just use it every day. Yeah. I mean, obviously I didn't study stage management in college or anything. Yeah. Um, I was in, uh, went to UCC. I did science in, U- in UCC back in the day. Mm-hmm. And while I wasn't really, I didn't really go in for any of the, like, you know, getting involved in musical or anything like that. I was in the choir. I was in, in the college choir. And, okay. you know, anybody like I think all the music students had to be in the college choir and they hated it. And no it, choice. <laughs> and then there was all the people who were like doing science and commerce and stuff who wanted to sing badly in a big group of people. OK. And we were yeah. we were allowed in like, you know, but I mean, like I sang in a group of altos of about 120 altos. So like, you know, I wasn't, okay. wasn't going to be an outstanding member of the choir. But um, so when I left college. But a lot of people like I've talked to some directors as well and everyone has a little bit of, you know, an experience of being on the stage in some way. Yeah. And I think that that's having that as well brings is a bit of like experience for you when you're working yeah. in the career. And my sister um, Marie is a cost. Well, she was a costume designer and she um, she was working in theatre in Dublin and I used to come up kind of before I'd go back to college, like in September, you know, whatever, I'd finish my summer job or whatever. And I'd come yeah. I'd go up and I might do two weeks work just cycling around, buying material and, you know, kind of. So when I left college, I was looking at doing a postgraduate up in Aberdeen of all places. And oh, okay. uh, um, my sister just rang me in a bit of a panic and she was doing a show for the theater festival and they had their stage manager had gotten sick and they were in like week three of rehearsals. And she said, would you come up and do five weeks work? And I said, oh, right, OK, I don't really know what I'm doing. But she said, look, it'll be fine. I'll tell you everything. Just get up here. So, so you really did fall into it. I did, yeah. And I went up and actually I was really lucky because the, the guy who was the production manager on it had just come back from uh, uh, Leeds Opera House, the, the, the Grand in Leeds, okay. where he had been head flyman, I think. And he was from Wexford and he'd grown up backstage at Wexford Festival Opera in mm-hmm. the 80s and uh, he was co- he'd come home and he was production manager but so everything I learned the first time I learned how to do right and I mean small things like tying knots folding like curtains you know even sweeping the stage you, sweep, yeah. you know from the outside in and down you know those build blocks like. so um, I, like where I learned where I learned most of my stage management was actually starting I went on tour with Opera Theatre Company fairly soon after wow. you know, now as an ASM like about a year after yeah. I started working I had done a couple of pantos and a few theatre shows with Rough Magic and um, Pigs Back who are now Fish Amber and um, I got a job with uh, Opera Theatre Company uh, as an ASM and you go on the road back then we went on the road with five people production manager electrician carpenter and stage manager and an ASM so the ASM did everything I did all the costumes I did mm-hmm. you know oh, wow, yeah. everything and um so but it quickly like fairly quickly on I didn't like there are people who are career assistant stage managers and are and are brilliant at it but yeah. it was sort of I don't know whether it was a confidence thing or whether that they just couldn't find they they just couldn't find people to stage manage the operas so that yeah. I was kind of pushed into stage management like you know they fairly quickly you know and obviously because I read music that was a big plus yeah. do you know what I mean yeah um but I, you asked about like what kind of what the, where I felt that my uh, personality probably suited the job as stage manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be organized enough when I'm like, you know, in my working life. Don't come into the house or anything. But, you know, at work <laughs> I'm fairly organized. 
But yeah. also, I think I have a, a an abundance of patience and I don't tend to lose my temper very much, you know, and yeah. I don't tend to fly off the handle. And if I do, there's, there's, there, there, it's really trouble yeah. brewing, but... Um, it's been coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I grew up in a big family and the youngest is six. Um, I'm fairly, I would be very, very self-sufficient, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. so... All of that probably lends, and I would be very practical as well, not just in like, you know, hanging pictures on walls and stuff, but actually I have a practical way of thinking, I think. You yeah, know? yeah, so yeah. So I can see the big picture. Is there a lot of like problem solving? Yeah, it's mostly okay. that. Yeah. And and problem solving within the big picture, you know, you can't, yeah. you can't just go, okay, so something's happening over here. I really need to There's no focus plasters. in on that. You, you yeah. have to keep that within the big picture and delegate as much as possible and, you know, yeah. give people their own sort of, that they have to take responsibility for themselves within the mm. room, you know. And actually, I find singers are really good at that. You know, I do find interesting are, are very, well, you know, you know, you, you come into a rehearsal room, you have to have your score learned. Yeah, we you know? do. Yeah, yeah, we do actually have to take you know? a lot of responsibility and in the practice room on our own. So, yeah, yeah that you know, does. But it's interesting to hear it as a, pers- you yeah, know, yeah. And I mean, a from lot another of point of view. You know, we just um, we just did Electra, and yeah. um, th- basically Fergus decided to do it quite late on. Like you know, literally, he only decided to do it in March or something. Yeah. So uh, he gave out the roles to people who, like you know, Giselle had never sung before, I and know, um, Imelda hadn't sung Clytemestra. So there was just in the rehearsal room, they were so frustrated because they hadn't. You know, because normally you go, okay, we're going to ask you to sing Electra in 2024. Yeah. So you would have time to learn, you know, but start like, picking away at the bars. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, uh, and she was, Giselle was amazing. Absolutely. But all of them mm-hmm. were, you know, because none of them had sang it before. But there was a frustration in the rehearsal room of not knowing the music well enough to put the score down, you know. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, if you come into something like Bohem or, you know, uh, Traviata or something. Yeah. It's in the repertoire, so... It's more on your you ear, know, yeah. exactly. And uh, so... You probably sat in a chorus of them <laughs> at yeah. one point. And also singers have to do a lot of their own travel arrangements and, you know, kind of, like, you know, some of the... A lot of yeah. the young singers don't have, have agents to do that sort of stuff yeah. for them. And exactly. even the older ones have agents who don't do it for them. So. It was a question I did want to ask, and I actually didn't realise that you got your start in opera. Um, I, I I know you've done a lot of theatre as well. Yeah, which was kind of theatre first. And then I got Marie with my sister was working for Opera Theatre Company as oh, well. Okay. So she just suggested me as, but it was, I was about, I had about a year of theatre behind me at that stage. I did so. want to ask, what is the, is there any difference between working with like, let's say theatres, actors, um, that kind of craft and skill as opposed to opera, which is mainly where your career is based now. Is there a difference in the room yeah, there is definitely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and I'm not saying that opera isn't a collaborative process, but because there's so much going on, you're not just singing the words and you're not just a- acting it out on stage, you know. Yeah. They're, they're, it's almost learned like two different processes. Like I was saying, you would learn the score first. So you come in like what they call in, in theatre off book. You know, you would not have a score. You would have it there to reference, but yeah. you wouldn't have it for, you wouldn't be carrying it around with you for the first week. No. Half. True. And so basically your job then in our, and the director's job in the opera opera room is to block the show, make sure everybody knows where they're doing, what they're coming in and out and stuff. Yeah. And then when you go back to put it together again, you put the music in on top of that. Um, and 
in the rehearsal of a, like a theater show, it's much more collaborative. You could spend okay. three days sitting around the table reading the, reading the play, even if it's not a new play, and like finding the dips and troughs and highs in it. And, yeah. you know, and it's really important for a director reading a play in the same way as like a conductor will kind of, you know, tell you how to have speeds and, you know, like mm-hmm. in, in a score. But like it's really in, it's really good for a director to hear all the voices, you know. So like for the first week of a new play or even a play that we've already done, you could spend two to three days sitting around the table just reading it, you know, okay. before you get up on your feet. Whereas opera's a bit more immediate. It's up on your feet. Let's start doing this. You know, we do a day of yeah. music maybe. And um, so it, in, in those terms, like so the, a lot of the time um, actors will not come in knowing their part yeah. completely, you know, because they could learn it off and they could learn and learn rhythms of it. And a lot of people like, you know, obviously, if it's a, like a huge monologues, people will learn those. But mm-hmm. if there's a lot of dialogue, you know, it it's almost better to learn it within the room. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's easier yeah. for people to learn it within the room whereas you don't have that luxury in opera because there is there is those two massive things there's the singing and then there's the acting yeah 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 so it's also terrifying like when i hear and you just show up and you learn it on the spot because i'm such a preparer yeah and i need to know what i'm doing and all that yeah um but i can see the magic of preparing it that way yeah because no one comes in with any ideas already set in stone or I know how strong muscle yeah. memory is. And, and But people do need, like, I mean, I'm not saying like that they, you know, they pick their script up on the first day of rehearsals, you know. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, of course. They, they will have, like, certainly if it's something like Shakespeare, and like I say, if they're yeah. big monologues and stuff, actors will have learned off them. And there are some actors out there who will completely learn their part and be able to come in and, you know, mm-hmm. but a lot of people learn it kind of on the on the job you know, on the four weeks of rehearsals. Yeah, so from your point of view, is your job different or is just the energy of the room different and you have to monitor that? There's bits of it are different, you know. I mean, um, sort of the, the the bones of the job are the same, like the scheduling and, yeah. the, you know. But obviously, uh, s- since I've started working with Irish National Opera as company mm-hmm. stage manager, I don't really sit at the book anymore. We kind of nearly always have a stage manager at the yeah. book. Um, Simply because the shows are big, you know, I mean, if we, Carmen, we have like 78 people on stage or something or 70 people on stage or something like that. Whereas most theatre shows, if you get a cast of 12 or 15, that's considered a huge, you know, so I'm going, I have that for breakfast now. (laughs) (laughs) But um, uh, so I don't think you could do the big shows like you can do kind of uh, like with being at the score uh, beside the director and running the rehearsal room. And doing all the excess stuff as well, like the yeah. costume fittings and schedules and, you know, all of the, the other stuff that goes on. So I suppose the scale is different. And uh, but generally the job is kind of when it comes down to it, the nuts and bolts are the same. If the if the stage needs to be swept, I'll sweep the stage, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. our, you know, so if somebody yeah. needs to change a costume, I can do that, you know, so um, you're I'm on not, hand. And I'm ready. really not precious about what I do. <laughs> about, like, you know. I'd love to because obviously you're in opera. Do you think that you, um, your path led that way because you do read music? Definitely. Yeah. 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 Because that seems like a very important thing to know when dealing with an opera, like watching yourself, 
or Conlet, who you work with really closely, like it's all based around the score, the bars, the words. And I, yeah. there's been a couple of times side stage. I'm like, how would someone do this if they couldn't read music? Yeah, it's difficult enough. I mean, we're, we're incredibly blessed with Conlet because not only is his score reading magic, it's mm-hmm. also he used to be a singer. Um, yeah. And a lot of the roles that we were doing, he has sung like a lot of the things we're doing. And yeah. And just and also he has a really good insight, like with singers and stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you could probably do like, you know, I mean, my funnily enough, myself and Elaine Kelly um, did a score reading course for. Yes, I saw. Yeah, this. for for stage managers, just a six week. We did like kind of one, two hours or two yeah two hour yeah. session a week, and um, got it like you know stage managers like who really wanted to and a couple of actually technicians as well who just wanted nice. to know the the bones of it you know and uh what most of them came out was going i don't have to be scared of a score anymore yeah. because a lot of it is this is a stave this is like you know these are bars uh yeah and if it's in english possibly you could get away with it the Reading problem the is, is you know and actually what we were teaching people were was how to count and how to watch the conductor and how to like the conductor. And if you need ha- a help somewhere, a conductor will give you the help. You know, they'll mm-hmm. touch the nose yeah, or yeah, yeah. nod or something, you know. And They're um, on side. They They're not going to leave you to. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. There's, there's nobody, you don't know. So um, while it would be like difficult enough, like say the first year in Wexford that I did in 1999, I did a show called Siberia. Um, it was in Russian, uh, but in Cyrillic. So not even wow. in kind of, you know, written Russian kind of that you would might be able to follow. Yeah. And so you, there was no way you would get away with not being able to score read on that. Yeah. It was like 20 pages of the chorus singing Slava, 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 you know. So you know, <laughs> Which Slava are we on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and also like anything like an overture, you know, most most opera directors now seem to stage the overture. Yeah. So if you have a big long overture like say into Don Giovanni or anything like that that most of them are staged so you know for queuing and all of that it helps it's not impossible and actually when we did this score reading course with the stage managers they um or the last one we did um we did I think we did the um Barbara Seville overture oh yeah you very know, good. The, so and we went through it through three times and then I put a couple of cues in and you know so that they could and they all loved it. They got on really well. And I think the big thing for them was like, oh, we don't need to be f- afraid Scared of scores of it, anymore, yeah. you know. So yeah. um, certain jobs, yeah, yes, uh, you would definitely need to, but um, you could get away with it on some of them. Okay, yeah. could you yeah. tell us a little bit about your musical background? Because I actually, the only the only thing I know about your musical background now that you sang in a choir, so that's yeah. new information. Badly, badly. <laughs> <laughs> Strong alto number four, maybe. Um but also, I remember one day in rehearsals, this is the first time I found out you were a musician. Um, you're the musician. <laughs> you are a musician. But we were in rehearsals. You're like, oh, I have to show you my new present. I think you got it for a big birthday. And then I was like, oh, OK. And you showed us the piano. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God. And I was like, Paula, do you play the piano? Or did you just did someone just buy you a piano? And you were like, no, I play the piano, obviously. Yeah. But I'd love to know a little bit more about your musical background. Yes, that was a fantastic birthday present from my husband. Yes. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Piano. I don't remember what production because yeah. they all molded to one. Um, 
Um, it's probably Orfeo, actually. Yeah. yeah. Paula given yeah. out to me with my phone <laughs> in Orfeo or Aces and Galatea or Aida is all the same to me. I'm like, okay, I'll um, put my phone away. <laughs> my dad was in a, a, a traditional band, like a, the Balmakilkeli band when okay. he was growing up. Yeah. And I think his side of the family are very musical. My mom would have had nothing really. But we had a piano in the house when I was growing up and our next door neighbor was a piano teacher. She was hilarious. Like, you know, you could like she just answered the door to you with like different shoes on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could play the same piece for her four weeks in a row, you know. But so I started playing piano when I was about six, I'd say, maybe five or six. Yeah. Then I made a conscious decision when I was about eight and a half that I didn't want to go anymore. I think I might have done grade one and two at that one, let's say, at that stage. Okay. And I decided I didn't want to play piano anymore and or I didn't want to go to lessons. Yeah. But I continued to play the piano because I'd have a fairly good ear and I used to be playing along to the radio and stuff and whatever. Oh, wow. Okay. So when I went into secondary school, my sister, Cora, who subsequently did music in college, she was learning with a teacher in, in the secondary school in Nina. And uh, the teacher said that I want to learn and I kind of went, oh, sure, why not? So I did. So like up to grade eight in secondary school, like I skipped, obviously. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like two, four, six, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I did all the even um, numbers. <laughs> now, if you took me back, I would not play a grade eight piano piece in a month of Sundays. So okay. obviously 20 years of not having a piano. Um, yeah. So you didn't have a piano for 20 years? No, no. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that, that birthday present was... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, a real yeah, big deal. Yeah, a big deal, yeah. I wow. had actually been gifted a piano about two years beforehand, an actual big, you know, upright. Yeah. Um, but we could never tune it. I even I got it tuned a couple of times, but it was it was in it drag was. order and I never played it. Yeah. Also, we live in a terraced house. You don't want to be playing a you know, yeah. a, a out of tune upright overstrung piano yeah. you know uh, during the day or in you'd the be getting all sorts of yeah, looks yeah, from the neighbors yeah. <laughs> so um so the electric piano is brilliant because i can plug the headphones in yeah so I don't, like even we we can watch telly and play the piano in the one room oh, brilliant. but um yeah so i did grade i did up to grade eight in in, in school and then and obviously i did music for my leaving cert yeah i kind of had thoughts of doing music in college but uh, i don't think to be honest neither the the interest or the like practical side of it, I I, I would have struggled to do grade eight. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So um, okay. while I can sit down and think a lot of piano, I would not consider myself a musician or a piano player. Or I like definitely that. think you are. No, I don't think so. Um, you'll have to yeah. play. You have to promise me live on air. You'll play for me one day. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that I also learned about you, it's so funny because um. Like I've known you for so many years and I wonder if this is a common thing among stage managers. You get to know people so well, but stage managers, they don't necessarily have the time to share a lot or because it's like so many hours. And, you know, there wouldn't be many stage managers that I would know about past life or what they did before or anything like that. And you're one of the ones yourself and Connett are probably the two stage managers that I've worked with the most. Now I was in college with Connett, but for the amount of years I've known you, I'm like, don't know a huge <laughs> amount like that with you being a musician. And I'm going to keep hammering that home until you say, <laughs> until it comes out of your mouth. But um, like that, and I've been like, why are you buying a piano? You know, like little things like that. Yeah. Do you find that with people? I think probably 
you come back to it like it's a time and an efficiency, you know, like yeah. so every six weeks you're dealing with another group of people. Like if you were to sit down with everybody and share your life story with everybody, you know, you'd, you wouldn't you'd have be sharing it all the time. You wouldn't have any hours in the day. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know, it's kind of it's not that exciting either, probably. So, um, but no, I just think it's just, you know, it's just that I'm constantly working with a new group of people mm. and while faces like you and lots of other people turn yeah. up a lot of the time sometimes unless it's like a small show like you know Arfe or something yeah. it's only a small cast but like you know even if you're turning up you you probably aren't in every day you know what I exactly. mean and I you know so we don't get to have it's, lunch or we don't you know yeah. and, and actually that's probably a lot of it is that most of the time at lunchtime we're kind of working or just exactly you know, yeah. are always kind of doing yeah, bits yeah, of bobs yeah and there's never the like the kind of hours are different like you yeah. know kind of when you guys are there we're working uh, on stage so we don't yeah. get to hang out and, and even when we when go for drinks, drinks yeah, yeah, you're yeah, doing yeah, the yeah. get out yeah, or yeah, sweeping the yeah. stage. <laughs> no, it's just really intriguing because I would drinking and sweeping the stage. Drinking <laughs> and sweeping the stage. Shh, no. we won't. We won't put that one in. Um, no, it's just interesting because I would consider that I know you quite well. But then little things like the music, um, I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And one thing I didn't know is you grew up on a farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd love to know in those kind of years. Do you feel like anything, did you work on the farm? Did you help out? Do you think that any of those skills helped you in the career you're in now? Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 I was probably one of the more practical ones in the family anyway. But okay. um, you didn't have a choice in the farm. You just had to help out. You know, it's kind of yeah. why they had so many kids, you know. just How many know. brothers and sisters? Did um, you have? There's, five, there's six of us. So I have okay. one brother and five sisters. No, okay, four right. sisters. One brother and four sisters. Yeah. Um, And my brother runs the farm now with his son. So okay, um, I thought my parents are passed on. So, so what would that have kind of looked like living that and being put to work? Yeah, well, you know, just like um, everything. Picking potatoes, no. milk and cows. I'm a city boy, Polly. Okay. You, like, <laughs> you can't just be like, you know, just everyday life. I'm like, no, 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 no. That was not yeah. life for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, you know, there were certain things you were expected to do. And, yeah. you know, if there was potatoes to be picked, my dad used to grow potatoes. Uh, okay, nice. You would, you would do that and uh, go to the bog and and turn turf and yeah. stacking hay bales. They were smaller back then. So, you know, okay. and uh, yeah, I mean, just generally helping out. I probably got off a little easier being the youngest by because by the time I was about six or seven, my brother was 14, 15. So he was kind of. Been it, but like my parents would never have taken a holiday because they couldn't until Liam, my brother, grew old enough to, to milk the cows. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? By himself. But I remember milking cows when I was 11 and 12. You know, like my dad was, um, uh, he was all into athletics, so okay. a lot of us did athletics as well. And my sister was a really good high jumper, and my brother was a really good decathlon. Uh, athlete and so most of the Sundays dad was gone with Breeder or some of the rest of us to athletics so when I was very young I was being left behind with mum so me and mum would, would, mm -hmm. would milk cows and stuff and yeah oh so, my god so yeah. it, it's very like practical work yeah it is and you know? you know maybe that's where a lot of it came from I'd be fairly hardy you know I went yeah. six years of secondary school without missing a day you know um, which is hilarious because when I was when I, I was very pale and like blonde child when I was young. And I remember when I graduated from college, um, I was walking down the street. I grew up in Clough Jordan, which is a small village in North Tiberi. We're just outside it. And I remember my mother telling me that um, 
she met my first class teacher, you know, and of course my mother Maureen's like, oh, you know, my daughter, the scientist, she's graduating from, <laughs> she's graduating from UCC tomorrow, we're going down and stuff. And Mrs. Williams said, I did not think that child would make it past seven because I was so, I had, I had like whoop and cough the year I was in her class and I was like skinny and pale and, yeah. you know, and she, uh, yeah, she said, I didn't think that child would make it past seven. So I think... Um, little did she know you'd be managing yeah, yeah. massive groups of people a, and telling I, them where to go and what I, to do. Yeah, <laughs> but also I grew up to be a bit hardier than, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, thankfully, I'm very lucky with my health. I've never had any real health issues. I have yeah. asthma, but that's about it, really, you know. So. It's interesting because, like, every little bit, like, you know, the science, the farming the music, like it all is very much stage managing was waiting to choose you. But another <laughs> thing as well was your dad was involved with Amdron. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, so although you yeah. decided mm, stage yeah. isn't for me, what was your dad like with Amdron? Because it's something I've been thinking about and I discussed it on last week's episode with a conductor called Holly Matheson. And we were talking about that idea of being a professional and being um, an amateur and yeah. The level of work is kind of the same, but the amateurs love it more. Yeah. Well, no, you know, I'm, they don't love it more, but they don't have to worry about it's, it's not a job the industry. Yeah. It's not a job. Yeah. So yeah. it's purely yeah. on the love. They yeah. go to rehearsals for love. And just when you had said to me, oh, and my dad was involved in the Amdram, I was like, first of all, I'd love to know what it, it was like having a parent involved in the Amdram. And you think that kind of artsy nature of his allowed you to lean towards an artistic career but not being on the stage <laughs> I think I think so like I mean I kind of probably went in sort of you know like it didn't you know that we weren't sat down and said oh you could have a career in the arts you know yeah yeah I'm yeah. sure it was like don't have a career in the arts you yeah. know but my father was a farmer like you know grew up with like he he took over a farm and my uncle's farm in about in 19 sometime in the early 60s okay and uh there was an uh, there was a um a drama group in clock jordan and i think i'm not entirely sure but i think it had been it had shut down maybe during the war and they hadn't got it back up and running and stuff mm-hmm. and or something like that it hadn't been operating for a few years anyway and my dad set it up, um, like regrouped it in, I think, 1965 or 66, okay, maybe. Wow. And directed a show every year until the year before he died, which was in 20, wow. like 2004. So it was directing that yeah, he was involved yeah, in? Yeah, Okay. And um, I always remember, like, I remember he he never really was interested in us getting involved. We used to come in, like, when the shows were on, like, you know, they'd rehearse all over winter, kind of, you know, and then the show would be on maybe for a week in February or something. Like, and when the shows were on, we'd have to go and sell tickets and, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. But... Again, um, learning your craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First prize, the pig. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, I I, I kind of... um, He... He he never really encouraged us to get involved in the shows okay. like or anything like that. But I remember when I when I was about seventeen or so, um, I was in like last two years of school, and uh, he was in rehearsing. And my mother said, "Go in and pick your father up." So I got in the car and I drove into Clock Jordan, and I remember I snuck in at the back of the hall and watched him directing. And I swear to God, like I couldn't believe it. Did For you a see a different side man, of your? Yeah, he was like mm. you know you have to learn your lines and this and this and move over, you know, and really like 
I was kind of going, oh my God, like, you know, I never see Who that is side this of lad? It. Yeah. yeah, this quiet farmer, you know, didn't really, you know, trouble with anything else, you wow. know, whatever. So, um, do you think that was his space? Yeah, definitely. You know, where Def- he, absolutely. maybe he didn't definitely. encourage you to get involved because he's like, this is where I go. A- absolutely. Yeah. He had six kids. And like when, when he actually, when, like, by the, when I was born, the house had six children under the age of 10. It had yeah. two grandans that he had inherited with the house who used to get up about six o'clock every evening. And his father, who used to come down every day to hang about the farm and, you know. For a quiet man, there wasn't ex- much quiet around. No, him. absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, I spent the first three years of my life in a playpen in the corner. Of the, the <laughs> Fend <kitchen>. for yourself. <laughs> yeah. The first photograph of me is like at my sister's uh, communion. And I'm sure all the neighbours are going, who's that child with the tyrannies? It's another cousin or something. But um, yeah, so I think the house was very busy and the farm was very busy. Yeah. And, you know, that... Uh, yeah, definitely. The 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 space outside was the the drama group, you know, kind of. Wow, so, that's amazing. Yeah. And what about your mom? Did she have any artistic? I think you said she wasn't really musical. No, or... that's no, that's like you know, she wasn't musical or or involved in the drama group or anything. But mm-hmm. like, she was well able to sew and knit and you know and create things she, that way, yeah. you know, and stuff. And you know, she was a she was a, a, a you know, I mean, she ran a house and she ran a farm and you know, kind of. Yeah. You know, none of us uh, grew up to be serial killers. So so she, she did, did an all right job. An all right job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd love to talk about you put up a Twitter post I was just looking at before saying it's going to be hard to get back to normal theatres after you've just performed in a castle. <laughs> and it made me think, what other experiences have you had in the last 18 months that you wouldn't have had um, if everything kept going the way it had been before March 12th. Uh, oh, uh, well, <laughs> we did. Um, I don't know were you involved in that, the Seraglio. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, where we like uh, got every all the orchestra to to record on their phones and, you know, kind yeah. of and, um, all of that. But probably Electra has been the biggest sort of, you know, like sort of amazing. Actually, because also it was our first time back with an audience in front of us. Yeah. You know, that's not digital. Like, you know, when I say an audience, I don't mm-hmm. mean because we've had huge digital audience audiences, yeah. but to have actually people sitting looking at us, you know, so yeah. that was it looked incredible. It was. It was. Yeah. And it's not easy to do site specific outdoors, especially opera, you know, no, absolutely and, um, not. and certainly not the way we did it, which was a recording of the orchestra and the cast singing live, you know, so. Yeah, that's very tricky. Yeah, I mean, and tricky for the singers because they, it's not something they normally do and certainly not something they normally do outside in the rain, you know. Yeah, (laughs) and with such tricky music. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely, yeah. You know. But um, it was... uh, you know that that well when i said i was couldn't wait to get back like or you know going back inside is going to be kind of new for us now yeah yeah you know? yeah um but uh oh, i really miss I, I miss that little deep breath buzz just before the first note yes when the audience is quiet and, and it, the, you know and, sh- the, and the conductor is sitting there or not even yeah. like not even opera but like it's it's in every every show there's that little moment just before it starts and that sort of your heart almost goes, yeah. boom, you know, and then, you know. Yeah. yeah. And a show I always think about for that is um, L'Orfeo. Oh. There was always that moment because you brought Peter out. Yeah. And yeah. 
there was always that moment and there was just something special about that show but it was always like okay here yeah. we go because there were so many elements yeah. to it as well that you know yeah. weird you had four singers dancing on stage as well so that was probably the most dangerous <laughs> yeah. thing happening so you're a dancer now you know? if I'm going to be a musician you're a dancer I'm, now, listen yeah. I'll take it I'm not going to shy away from it Paula yeah. <laughs> I've had Steph yeah. sitting across from me basically being like tell me I'm a dancer yeah, tell yeah. me I'm a dancer yeah. But um, yeah, no, certainly something like Orfeo, or at least like the other has that sort of yeah. real. And then it's it's so funny because like everything goes quiet and it's just and there's that really quiet moment before it starts. And then it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, what's the difference between working? It might be obvious now, but I wonder um, if there's something that you wouldn't know from the outside. The difference between working with a really small cast and a really large cast. I guess the strokes are broader with a lo- large cast. And I mean that from everything, every point of view. Like, okay. I mean, you know, if you're working with a chorus of 50 or 40 or whatever. Yeah. For the director, the the the, the strokes have to be broader. Whereas like if there's only yeah. three of you there, there's a lot more detail that goes in. And actually, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, it's easier from the stage management point of view. Because if something changes, I don't have to go in and. I write an email to everybody I can just ring for you and say you know this has changed so turn up earlier or you know okay, yeah. I'm not dealing with you know a, a company of 60 who five of them might not get the email or six of them might have something else on you know kind of you know if, if a director says can I change a call if there's only six of you in the cast I can ring every single one of you and say does that suit and go back to the director in four minutes whereas yeah. that process could take 24 hours in a bigger cast, you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. um, and it, and it's also, it's much more personable, you know, it's really, yeah. it's, you know, and, and yeah. you know, you know, we became a kind of a family on Orfeo. Orfeo, you know, and yeah. Aces and Galatea. And Aces and Galatea as well, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's what I was trying to see if you guys feel that as well, because yeah, of definitely. very, because I feel when I walk into the bigger ones, I feel connected to, let's say you, even though, you're over here yeah. and I'm in the mix of this, you know, yeah. because we've had those smaller experiences. Yeah. It definitely felt like everyone was able yeah. to go, you know. And that is actually prob- probably something that has has stuck with me from the last 18 months is that the companies we are getting together now to do either Bohem or, you know, any mm-hmm. of the shows that we're doing, the, comp- the, the cast are much more kind of relying on each other and sort of you yeah. know there seems to be a, a a much like a kind of a more um i don't know family feel about when we get together to do that you yeah, know definitely. and you know i mean cer- i suppose like certainly at the start people are just really happy to be back working and you know so yeah. that you know nobody's coming in going another job you know because everybody's coming in going, oh my God, it's great to be yeah. listening to music again. Is there any yeah. skills, new skills or new approaches you've learned as a result of the last 18 months? It, yeah, I mean, yeah, d- there is definitely, you know, I mean, kind of the whole um, live streaming and recording and all of that. So I've learned a good bit yeah. about that. And Do you know, it's really interesting because when I, I wanted to ask you that and in my head, I was like, Maybe I shouldn't ask that because I feel like Paula will just know everything already. So she'll be like, no, I knew everything. (laughs) So I'm so glad the answer was, yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, and even just the whole kind of um, dealing with people like certain people have 
a level of insecurity with regard to the COVID rather than, yeah. you know, some people are a bit more blasé about it and yeah. some people aren't. And sometimes it's trying to gauge that in the room to see, you know. That's very true, yeah. Who, 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 you know, because people, you know, like, because a lot of people, you know, that confidence thing come in and just go, I oh, here, yeah, I'm doing it great, you know. Here I am, this you is know. what I think, feel and e- deal exactly. with it. Yeah. And then there's a few people who probably maybe aren't feeling, you know, kind of are worried about, you know, certain aspects of the rehearsals and but they may not feel they can speak up or, you know, they don't want to be the lone wolf kind of going, you yeah. know, well, actually, I'm not, you know, happy with, you know, this or whatever. So we always kind of say um, kind of in our pre rehearsal email or whatever. And, and a few times during it, we do reiterate it as well. You know, it's almost like, you know, in the New York subways, like if you see something, say something. Yeah. It's like don't don't bottle it up like if there's something you're not happy with say it and and you know because we're learning as well we've never done this before we've never done an outdoor opera in a castle with a recorded orchestra you know yeah we've never done sort of the first time we did the live streaming we were like oh my god you know how do we do this and and everything is kind of a learning experience you know we're getting used yeah. to some of it now but and just as we're getting used to it hopefully we'll be going back out of it and, but you know I know. Yeah. What's coming up for you in the next kind of few months? Oh, well, um, so we have the least like the other, which is in the Dublin Theatre Festival uh, with the fantastic Naomi uh, Louisa O'Connell and uh, uh, Ronan Leahy and Steph Dufres. And then we have, um, I think it's all been announced now, like Fidelio. I think so, yeah. In the Gaiety. Um, the lighthouse, which that that was again something that we did. It was very different. Yeah, yeah we, like well, we we rehearsed it. We did we rehearsed it as if it was going on as a stage show, which it okay. which it actually is. It's going on tour in October, yeah yeah October I thought that yeah or November, and um, but we actually rehearsed it also to film it. And the woman who directed it, uh, Edwina Casey, she's like a filmmaker. But mm-hmm. I knew her as an opera director, kind of. So she she has like that perfect crossover, you know. So we built the set as a stage set and we filmed on that. Um, but it was filmed very much made into an actual like a like it was really filmed from a filmmaker's point of view. Do you know what I mean? So lots of close ups yeah. and, you know, kind of um different angles that you wouldn't necessarily see if you're sitting in an audience watching it on stage, you know. Yeah. So and then we decided to take that around the country to different site-specific venues with a blow-up screen, like you know. That's so, so, yeah. yeah, so it's, but that's, it's those creative ideas that yeah, it's Fergus. That's you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. make it really exciting. Yeah. But it's that so we're doing a tour of the lighthouse in uh, November, start of December, and then there's a, a co-production with the Royal Opera House of. Bajazet in December, January, February. So. Amazing. So you'll definitely be kept busy. Yeah, yeah. What's it like to be like, is it common to be, I suppose it's not really common in Ireland to be a, in a permanent position as a stage manager in a company, which you are now. Yeah, it, it's it's not at all. It's um, not common here, no. but it it would be common elsewhere. In, in, in yeah. England, yeah. But I mean, you know, there are more theatres in, so in, in somewhere like, Liverpool than yeah. are and hold the country here probably. What's it know? like to now hold that position? Is that something you oh. ever saw for yourself in Ireland? 
I never did. No, no, no never did. And, um, you know, even like with Irish National Opera, I would have done the first two years freelance. Yeah. So I would have yeah. done other shows as well. And um, but it's unbelievable. It's it's unreal. You know, the only real only other place that's really doing permanent like stage management positions is the Abbey, really, to be honest. Yeah. You know, nearly every other venue is using freelance. Has that changed? Probably hasn't changed your life because you're still doing the same job. You're working with this, one of the companies that you would have worked with most. But has it changed anything about your mindset in regards to security or stability? Oh, definitely, yeah. Because that's yeah. something that I've been exploring so much and has been so important. Yeah. You know, and I wonder. Is I mean, that... I, I guess, it, yes, it has definitely, you know. Okay. Um, uh, funnily enough, would I have. Would I be doing it 20 years ago? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, so if, like I, you know, when I was in my mid thirties or like early thirties, would I have taken a full time job? But I don't know is the answer. I mean, yeah. and actually kind of sometimes I still think of myself as freelance. And yeah, you forget that You forget that the, the support is there. You know, mm-hmm. I, I sometimes forget and I'm getting used to it now, but I forget that the support of the company is there, you yeah. know, and like that you don't have to burden everything on yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, worry about, you know, the next job and all of that. But um, it's, it's little things like that, that yeah. take the pressure off. Yeah. That you just kind of accepted that pressure. Yeah. It's even little things like, cause I'm working here now and um, Cassie, who's an amazing boss was like, Oh yeah. And you get your holidays and you know, you get your holiday pay. And I was like, well, I was like holiday yeah. pay. Yeah. And, literally it was something i just never even considered obviously knew it was a thing never considered because i didn't see it as something i would ever have yeah yeah you know and, and i mean actually you know 99 percent of people working in this business don't have a full-time job you know yeah. kind of certainly not a, not artists and very few technicians and stage managers you is know, that I, something you carried with through your career like mm, should i look for more stability a few times, yeah. And I yeah. mean, like, there were certain times, like, you know, I mean, like, back in the day when Riverdance were, you know, buying houses, people, almost for people, you know, I got offered a Riverdance tour. Okay. And, and I didn't take it, you know. And I, I often wonder, would that have made the difference, that year out in the road with Riverdance? You know, because at that stage, yeah. people were, you know, because they were so busy on the road, they weren't really spending their wages. So they like yeah, people exactly. would come up doing a year. And also like a year is like a full time job. When you're twenty eight, twenty nine, you kinda of think, Oh God, yeah, like that's a full time no job. Bother. You know? And um uh I often think about if I had taken that, uh, would I have come back and done something different or would I have just come back and slotted back into where I was? Or would I have stayed with Riverdance? like there was people who went out on Riverdance and I have a friend who's a stage manager in the States and she ended up in Radio City working for, oh, wow. you know, kind of whatever led to time after Riverdance and, um, you know, got married over there. And that was kind of, you know, you heard all those yeah. stories of people who went off and never came home and, you know, married out or like just decide to settle in Australia or New mm-hmm. York or somewhere. But um, uh, I never, I, it, it, I suppose the times it only did occur to me was when there was big gaps of no work. You know, okay. and, and okay. the one thing about stage management is that, you know, if 
it doesn't really matter whether you're male or female, tall, small, you know, the right age. You know, if if mm-hmm. you work with somebody who likes you, you'll end up working with them again and again and again. You know, not like a, you know, singer that needs to be like two tenors. They might like you, know. you, but you mightn't fit the part. Or, or yeah. there might not even be a part there for you. There might, exactly. there might be an all-male cast or an all-female cast. Or, yeah. uh, or there might be no tenors or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. um, but uh, so kind of all the way through sort of, the 90s I was very lucky in the fact that I had kind of three companies I worked for and yeah. I just managed to dovetail most of them do you know what I mean and Opera Theatre Company took up a lot of the work kind of in the mid 90s yeah um and they were great because they they the tours like you know there was like kind of an an, an eight week thing you know contract um and then um Rough Magic I did a lot of work with Rough Magic I mean I think I did 30 shows with Rough Magic or 25 shows with Rough Magic yeah. and same with Fish Amble and you know and again just you know the relationship you would have with the director like you know like Lynn Parker and Jim yeah. Colleton you know kind of they I suppose if they're happy with me in the room why would they want to change it on the next show just you know so yeah like so it's that kind of thing of there is an element of security to it yeah yeah but then at the same time there's not because yeah. if anything happened and yeah you know you've no kind of yeah, but it, I, I did work for Druid for a long time as well. Yeah. You know, and it kind of um, that role evolved from kind of being stage manager on the book to company stage manager and stuff. Yeah. Um, but that was never a full time role. It is now, but it wasn't back when mm-hmm. I was doing it. So I guess the only time I worried about not having work is when I not have it, didn't have it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Fair. So, yeah. Before I ask you my final question, I would love to know some of the highlights from your career that would encourage younger stage managers to stick it out and go down the stage managing route? Uh, the biggest one is the variety. The, okay. The do do as much. If you get asked to do something, do it because yeah. whether it's like I've done music, uh, dance, mm. theatre, opera, like in a general stage management. But then I've done site-specific outdoor stuff. I called the opening ceremony of the Ryder Cup when it was here. Wow. I've worked with comedy groups i worked with opera match and podge and raj and you know so just and i venue manage uh anything you know i've like and i think that's the best that's the best thing is the variety is you know if you look back if i look back on my 30 years i wasn't just a stage manager i yeah. was i tried everything along the way i'm probably best at being a stage manager but I did try other, you know, other things along the way. But you're probably best at being a stage manager because of all the other things exactly. you've learned. Definitely. Absolutely. Like yeah. going back to the start of the interview, it's definitely a job where it's not a yeah. do these modules on your session. There's a lot of life skills yeah. and people skills and there's yeah. a lot that goes into it. And like even, you know, you mentioned Anne Kyle, like she she mm-hmm. would have done follow spot in the concert hall, you know, for, yeah. you know, just like anything you can do. It's, it's quite a varied career, actually, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, my final question I ask everyone, I'm asking all six women at the end of the episode, what kind of artist do you consider yourself? I don't really consider myself. I was expecting you to say that. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's interesting to hear you say that because I've gotten to explore the idea of what an artist is in these episodes and what creativity is. And your whole job is creative. Yeah. Which makes you an artist. Well, I don't know then. I mean, <laughs> I sort of. <laughs> In my opinion, of yeah. course. I mean, I'm probably a bit of everything. Like I can, 
make a prop, I can draw, I can do a little bit of music, I can, you know. Yeah. So I guess I don't diverse. Know. Diverse. Yeah. Well, I would say from my point of view, you are a very supportive colleague, shall we say. Thank you very much. If we're not comfortable with the word artist, which you are. <laughs> um, no, very supportive and very kind. And thank you so much for coming on this no podcast. Problem. I know I had to entice you a little I bit. Know, yeah. But as I said, first and last on my list, like, um, yeah. Yeah. because you have just been amazing over the years. So thank you so much for Thanks joining very much. me. Thanks very Thank you for tuning in and I would love to hear from you over at the Let's Talk About The Arts Instagram page, which is just that, at Let's Talk About The Arts. I've been Fergal Curtis and this has been Let's Talk About The Arts, The Collective's Women in Opera.